Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Titus, chapter 2. One time, C.H. Spurgeon said, when he preached a sermon on practical godliness and things that men ought to do, the next week he preached on grace and something that was a little easier to digest. Looking from the scriptures that we're going to look at today, he got the idea from the Apostle Paul. Because this week we're going to look at the same set of scriptures we're going to look at next week. Because he goes back and forth, the Apostle Paul does, between salvation by grace and what that means for us. I mean, it's back and forth about every other verse. So let's start at chapter 2 in verse not purloining but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no man despise thee. We'll stop there for now, but we're going to continue into chapter 3 here soon. But verse 11 says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. This is not the entire damn grace, though, by the way. This is the people, every person that goes to heaven, is going the same way. Yes, by the grace of God. If you go to heaven, it's because of the grace of God. Based on his choice before the foundation of the world and the work that he did, he did all that's necessary to make you a fit citizen of heaven. Did it all by himself. He didn't ask me for any help. Elder... Uh, Ricky put in for a thought of the day. <coughs> he put in for Hebrews chapter uh, chapter one in verse first three verses. God, who is under times in divers banners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, 
when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And the only thing that Brother Ricky could say was that was the best news you'll hear all day. And that's true. That Jesus Christ purged our sins by himself, did it all, took care of the things that we couldn't take care of. And we'll drop to verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Are you looking forward to that day? You see, a good worldview to have, one that will make you a lot happier as you walk through this world, is the one that's found in the book of Revelation, the last several verses of the entirety of the scriptures. In the 22nd chapter of Revelation, in verse 20, He that testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly. That there is a day coming that Jesus Christ is going to come back, He's going to open these graves, and we're going to go be with Him. And the ones that are alive at His coming are going to meet Him in the air. Sister Helen Beecham used to say, I'll meet you here, there, or in the air. That sounds pretty good to me. How about you? Looking for that blessed hope. This is the blessed hope that Jesus Christ is coming again. And John said, even so come Lord Jesus. John was ready. John was looking forward to it. Are we ready and looking forward to it? I'm ready to see the Lord. How about you? And there's nothing we can do to get it, make ourselves ready, by the way. But, folks, that's what we're looking for. That's the day that we will go be with him, and with our eyes we shall behold our Redeemer. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. How did he know his Redeemer liveth? The Redeemer hadn't come to earth yet. He was about 4,000 years ahead of the Lord. He knew it because the Lord had revealed himself to him and he knew that God would take him home. He knew that his Redeemer lives and folks, his Redeemer still lives. He said, surely I come quickly and John said, even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So we're looking for that blessed hope. We're looking for that day. And also, uh, it's described also in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And the last thing he tells them is to comfort one another with these words. With the words that the Lord's coming again, and it's not going to prevent them that have already went to be with him, the ones that have already passed away, it's not going to prevent the Lord from raising them from the dead. Does the Lord have the ability to raise folks from the dead? Well, absolutely, he did it in his earthly ministry on three separate occasions. But there's going to be a day that he raises them all from the dead. And those they paid for on the cross are going to go with him. They're going to sing praises to him for a never-ending eternity. Time won't matter anymore because there will be no time. It will be all eternity. 
who gave himself for us that he may might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. I had to look that word up, peculiar. Because I'm sure it's not what we think of today in peculiar, because, you know, you think peculiar, you think weird. You know. But that's not the meaning of this word. This word means special, belonging to one. Denotes possession. That we are owned by the Lord Jesus Christ. We are paid for by Him. We're His because He paid the price. We sing the song, we, He paid the price. What do you believe He paid the price? In full. Didn't leave anything for me to have to do for it. Let's take a look at the book of First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 17. And if you call on the Father who without respect to person judges according to every man's work, pass the time from your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers. That money cannot get you to heaven. It's not good enough. Your works cannot get you to heaven. It's not good enough. Your works are filthy rags in the sight of God. Your righteousness. Whatever you can think of that you can conjure up, your prayers, your acceptance, and all those things, you can't get the job done. There's only one thing you're redeemed by. But with the precious blood of, the, of Christ as a lamb without spot and without blemish, who verily was foreordained before the wor foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He came to this earth for you. Now get, get this in your mind. The God of glory, Jesus Christ, the God of heaven. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that Jesus Christ is the Word came from glory itself, heaven's pure world, to this sin-cursed earth. and had no home on this earth. He said, The foxes have hold and the birds have nests, yet the son of man hath not where to lay his head. He didn't have a home on this earth. And to, be, to suffer, bleed, die, be humiliated, Entreated as if he had sinned every sin you ever committed to make sure that you'll be with him in glory. And folks, John the Baptist got it. Jim, John the Baptist really had a great sense of who the Lord Jesus Christ was, and of course he would. In verse 29 of the first chapter of the Gospel of John, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
That world is the same ones of Ephesians 1 4, same one of John 3 16. That world is a set order people. And who took away the sins of them? The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one that can get the job done. It tells us in the book of Psalms that he said our sins away as far as the east is from the west. That's as far away as you can go. Because as long as you're traveling east, you cannot be traveling west. And it never meets. Redeem us from all iniquity. Every sin that you've ever committed is paid for on the cross. And think about that thought for a minute. How many of you have sinned this week? How many of you have sinned today? Thought the wrong thing, said the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, or didn't do what you were supposed to? How many of us are guilty of that? We all are. All those sins are paid for by Jesus Christ. All of them. Every wrong thought you've had, everything that you didn't do that you're supposed to do, everything that you did that you wasn't supposed to do, they're paid for. By a Savior on the cross. How much did Jesus love you? Look at the cross. I've been saying that here recently quite a bit. You want to know how much Jesus loves you? Look at the cross. Look what he endured on your behalf and offered himself back to the Father. And folks, the sacrifice was accepted because the priest is still alive. You see, in the Old Testament day, when they brought the sacrifices in, if God was not pleased with it, he would kill the priest. But our priest, our high priest, Lord Jesus Christ, is not dead because his sacrifice was exactly right. All those blood of those goats and cats and all those in the Old Testament couldn't take away sins. It pointed to the one that would. Chapter 3 and verse 1 in Titus. Put them in mind to be subject to mad principalities and powers, so to obey magistrates to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, and hating one another. Apostle Paul included himself. We ourselves and the Christians that Titus was preaching to and every child of God throughout every age were at times in that same boat. They were disobedient, deceived, doing all the wrong things they can think of. Because it was in their nature to do so. Sinners go towards sins. 
You know that? And it's in our nature. I mean, think about it. If you set down a big old pot of vegetable stew and a steak in front of a lion, the lion's going to eat the steak every time. Why? Because that's his nature. That's what he does. He eats meat. That's what he's going to do. Sinner sin. But I'm thankful to tell you that there's the sinners have a Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. And he's going to take everyone he intended to have to be with him. All of them will be that. Move on. But after the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, But according to his mercy, he has saved us by the washing, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. How was it done? Not by works, which we have done. Is there anywhere in the scripture that would affirm that statement? That it's not by our works. Well, let's see if we can find any. Elder Michael Goen says that all people should memorize these three verses in particular. And I'll agree with that. Without memorizing as much scripture as possible, but these are some that are very vital to what we believe. See, the last verse that we just read said that not by works. Second Timothy chapter one and verse nine. Back up at verse eight. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling. Saved by what? Called by what? Well, let's see here. Not according to our works. The, pre- the last verse we said, not by works of righteousness we, we have done. This one says, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus, before the world began. He keeps all coming back to what was set up before the world was ever started. (coughs) This was set in motion before in the beginning God created heaven and earth. All this was set up before then. That God would have a people and save them by His grace. Book of Ephesians chapter 2. In verse 8, For by grace are ye saved, through faith in that not of yourselves, it is gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not by works which we have done, not according to our works, and not of works. That's of grace. According to the fact that God loved us with an everlasting love. According to Him. (coughs) 
Over in the book of Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. We'll look at verse 5. Even so at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then he is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then he is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What does that mean? It's got to be either by grace or by works. It can't be both. Because grace is unmerited favor. If you had to do something, whether it's say prayer or be baptized or any of those things to make it work, it's not grace anymore. Grace is unmerited. So there's not something we have to do to merit it. That makes no sense. If it's unmerited, then you have to merit it. It don't fit. It doesn't work right. Just by the definition of the words. It doesn't work. Salvation has got to be. If anybody is going to heaven, it's got to be grace. The reason we say that is because of this. You're, when you're in disobedience and all those things, the condition you have before the Lord's grace come to you is death. And you, ethnic quicken, who are dead, trespassing in sins, who can do anything that is dead? Can a physical dead person do anything? I mean, if you go to Brother Rick works at a funeral home, if you go to one of them bodies start asking it to do something, that dead person's not going to do a thing. Well, a spiritually dead person is not going to do anything that honors and glorifies God. Because he is spiritually dead, he can't do it on his own. So it can't be of works, and I'm thankful that we've read three verses. It says, it's not of works, according to works are by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his own grace. According to his grace, before the world began, he chose a people. According to his grace, he went to that cross and paid for them by his blood. And according to grace, he'll call them between conception and death. He knows them all, and he will call them. It says, by the washing of regeneration, will regeneration, new birth, born again, all those things are synonymous terms. So how is it described in the book of the Gospel of John? John chapter 3. He says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, canst not tell from whence it cometh and whither it goeth. Can you control the wind? Now he compared it to a wind. Who can control the wind? That was your question, wasn't it? When there was a storm going around, the disciples, the Lord himself was in the ship with them. 
He said, what? Peace, be still. And what happened? It was still. There was a great calm after he told the wind to, peace, be still. He has control over the wind blowing on, the spiritual wind blowing on each one that he intends to have. Where can God call a man? Can he blow that wind anywhere? We just talked about John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. He was born again in his mother's womb six months before he was born. He said that he leaped for joy. How can he leap for joy? He can't understand the language. I mean... Yeah, little Toby back there, if he started talking right now, we'd all be surprised, wouldn't we? He doesn't understand the language, but folks, the Lord can communicate with him just the same way he communicates with us. That wind can blow where it lists and where it pleases. Or it can take down a man known as Saul Tarsus on his way to kill a Christian. That's what he was planning to do when he arrived in Damascus. Had the letters in his hand. But the Lord showed himself to Saul of Tarsus, which became the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> because, in, folks, it didn't take long for Paul to realize what was going on because he said, Who art thou, Lord? He knew the Lord was in the arrangements, didn't he? He didn't have all the answers yet. Folks, we don't have all the answers this side of glory, I don't believe, anyway. But the Lord is able to save sinners from top to bottom. Does all the work necessary. The Holy Spirit is not liking to born again everyone he intends to have. The Lord's blood is enough to save everyone he intends to have. And God the Father knew them from the foundation of the world. There's no weak link in salvation, folks. He didn't put you in there to make a weak link. C.H. Casey, preacher from the early 1900s, said, God did not put his salvation in the hands of failing men. Left them in the unfailing hands of God himself. And that's absolutely true. That's why we're looking, that's why we can look forward to heaven and immortal glory is because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross and the Holy Spirit will call them before they go home to be with him. Now, they may call him at different points in their life. He called him the thief moments before he went to the glory. Moments or hours. The day thou shalt be with me in paradise. So, from the least to the greatest, the Lord knows them there he is. And will take everyone he intends to have. The glory. Not 
according to the works that we do. So according to the grace of an almighty God, may the Lord bless you and keep you as I pray.